Welcome to the Canacook Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacook Podcast. We are talking about soul care today. You know, life is hectic. It's busy. Whether you are single, a professional, a student, a parent, life is busy. Life is hectic. And a lot of us don't know how to rest or to take care of our souls. And, you know, what's interesting is that we see this addressed in scripture from the very beginning in Genesis. In chapter two, we hear that God has finished his wonderful creation, the heavens and the earth. And he did this in in six days. And then it says on the seventh day, he rested. And then we see again in Exodus, just a little bit further down in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 20, God is giving the Ten Commandments. And and we see number four, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Pause from your work and rest. So from the very beginning, scripture is telling us that there is a command and a mandate to rest. You know, it makes me think of an old hymn. If you think back to church and you can you can see the pews with the hymnals and the in the rack in front of you and if you open that up and flip to be still my soul you would this is what you would read in verse one and it says be still my soul the lord is on thy side bear patiently the cross of grief or pain leave to thy god to order and provide in every change his faithfulness will remain Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways lead to a joyful end. And so our hope today is that as we talk about caring for our souls, and as we all think through whatever maybe our thorny path may be right now, is that we would be led to a place of joy because we know the heavenly father is by our side and we can be still and know that he is in control. And so Joe, I'm going to have you introduce our guest today. I think you know him a little bit and uh, he's going to help us understand a little bit further today. What does it look like to care for our souls? Bethany, thank you. I grew up with that hymn book in my lap and I loved that hymn as a small child. If I could sing, I would sing it to you, Beth Ann, but I'm afraid I would wreck it. <laughs> but thanks for reading us a bit of the lyric. Yeah, Beth Ann, our guest today is one of my heroes. Uh, I admire him. I look up to him for so many different attributes that he has. Fortunately, Beth Ann is a lot more like his mother than he is his father. He, he is my oldest son, somewhere in his 40s. I'm not exactly what exact year. Debbie Joe knows all about the years and birthdays. <laughs> But I do know I love him like crazy. I call him and my other son my best friends. Uh, Excuse me as I choke. (laughs) But Brady has always been such a neat person. He's always been such a neat friend to me. He's very manly, strong, he's tall, he's handsome. Um, But he's very gentle. He's very meek. And he's also a great teacher. I listened to him teach from his church down at Orlando, Florida. He married a girl named Cinderella. She wore a ball gown and she appeared in parades and she loved little children. His wife is really a dear to both Brady and I. Brady started a church at Disney called the Disney Church. And he and his wife pastored 
you know, five foot two inch girls with big blue eyes and <laughs> and big strong guys that look a lot like Gaston. And they 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 pastored Peter Pan's and Mickey Mouse's and it was a really neat church. And Brady and Jennifer led a lot of those Disney characters to Christ. But Brady today teaches and is the staff pastor at a church in Orlando. His job is to care deeply for this staff of this growing church. Brady, we're thankful that you're on the podcast today. I know soul care is something you've been doing a lot with your staff lately. And so we're excited to have you on our team. Well, thank you very much. I'm I'm very honored to get to be having these conversations with y'all. I mean, Beth Ann, I, I was just listening to your voice and I kept thinking, man, I know the Dwell app is looking for a new voice to read the Bible and your voice would be fantastic. <laughs> okay, let's talk after the show. <laughs> Brady, let's just start with, tell us a bit of your story with soul care. Obviously, something probably prompted that in your life. And so take us back to your journey and where this began for you. Oh, such a, such a great question. I grew up in a strong Christian environment, uh, which was fantastic. And you know, if we fast forward to you know my mid-30s, I was pastoring a church, as my dad said, for uh, Walt Disney World cast members. And that it space is a very unique space. It's got a revolving door because many, many people um, have these perceptions of Disney because they've seen the movies and they've seen the television shows and they've imagined the magic that awaits when they go work. And after about six months, they realize this is a theme park and I'm putting people on rides and it's not quite as magical as, as I thought. Uh, now, some people have the magic forever, but many people, they kind of realize this is not actually what I was hoping for. And so they leave. So the average cast member, a frontline cast member, probably stays for about a year, maybe a year and a half. And so it was a revolving door of people who, um, just like everyone, were, were, was looking for something, you know, had a, a void in their heart that obviously only Jesus can fill getting the opportunity to continue to pour out over and over and over and over and over is incredible, but it can also be exhausting. And I found myself exhausted. And I just remember there, there were a couple of things that happened about the same time. One uh, was I began to really look at some of these things that Jesus and Paul and John and Peter, the different writers of scripture talk about. You know, Jesus said, I came that we would have life abundantly. And I just don't know that I ever considered what that might actually mean. And then I remember hearing Paul talking about hope that abounds and Peter talking about joy that you can't express and Paul talking about peace that you can't explain. And it just didn't seem to fit the narrative of my life. I, I think my life was great. You know, I mean, I live in America. I have my meals provided for me. I, I haven't missed a meal. I haven't, you know, gone without clothing, without shelter. And And I think it's, easy to just take for granted what these writers of scripture not only were saying, but experienced themselves. And when I looked at my life, I was actually in a season where I was struggling deeply. And Paul talks about that peace. And I was experiencing heightened levels of anxiety. In fact, I was having panic attacks. So there were a couple of times mm -hmm. when I just found myself on the floor in my closet, curled up in a ball, crying and just saying, you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And having no idea what's going on and like what just happened and why was this happening? That was one thing that was going on. That was kind of my experience and some questions that I was beginning to wrestle with myself. And at the same time, 
I had this incredible group of leaders that I was supposed to be leading through a year uh, process. Uh, and I remember I was coming up on the year and I was thinking, I have no idea what we're going to do. And this thought came to my mind. I remember there was a book that I had read uh, a few years earlier called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. And I remembered, I think there's 12 chapters in that. And each chapter has a different thing that you do. What if we just went through that book and, you know, we met at the very beginning of the month. We talked about the, the thing, whatever it was, the chapter was about. And then we said, well, let's practice it. Let's actually do it. And then two weeks later, we'd come back together and we'd say, how did it go? And then we'd have a new challenge for how to continue to implement that the rest of the month. And then month two, we'd do something different. Like we, we'd take the second chapter and we'd continue through. And it was incredible. It's actually really embarrassing because I had read this book at least three times. And not only had I read the book, but I had recommended this book to a number of people but I had never put any of it into practice. This was began probably the most transformative season of my life when it comes to the fruit of the spirit. I saw Jesus through his spirit do some incredible things in my life as I began to actually practice what Foster calls the disciplines of the faith. You know, other people call them uh, spiritual disciplines, habits of grace. I like to call them rhythms of intimacy, but basically they're just the way that Jesus lived his life. Uh, we as Christians have continued to look back at his life and say, what did he do? How did he live? And how can we put those things into practice as his followers? And what was amazing was it actually works. I mean, I'm far cry from perfect or even really having all of the fruit of the spirit, you know, vastly in my life. But it has been an incredible transformative journey for me, which has made me excited to share these kind of things with others. Brady, I'm intrigued. What is the one thing you'd make certain that someone understands about their soul care journey? I think probably the most important thing to hear first is that it is, in fact, a journey. And as you hear me say, Richard Foster had a book that had 12 things in it. And then you might find out that, oh, those aren't the only spiritual disciplines. There are actually more and as you learn what they, they are and you see, oh, I don't have these in my life, you can get really discouraged and think, oh, no, my plate is already 100 percent full. How in the world do I find time for more of these things in my life? And I think it's so important to know it's a journey. You are where you are on the journey and God's not freaking out going, oh, no, how do we get them further on the journey? It's OK. Any baby step you take towards Jesus, in fact, any stumble that you make in his direction is something worth celebrating. And so you are where you are on the journey, and that's okay. That's good. God's got you there. Be where you are. Don't try and be somewhere else. If I was going to try and run a marathon tomorrow, I would, I would die in the middle of it. But as many of us know, there are these incredible training regiments that you can get on so that six months from now, I could run a marathon. I couldn't tomorrow, but maybe six months from now, I could. And so if I go out and try to run 26.2 miles tomorrow, I'm going to struggle. But if I just go run a mile, I'm going to be okay. And I think the same thing is true as we begin to really visualize all that God might have in mind for our journey of walking in the footsteps of Jesus. That's so good, Brady. And so you've just said it's a journey, right? It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to be a quick process. Um, and maybe it's overwhelming as you even look ahead at all the work that there is to be done. But how would you encourage us in just the first step? What's a first step somebody can take 
if they're in that place, you know, like you were, where they're ready to start some of that soul care and, and learning and getting into some of those rhythms of intimacy that you're talking about. Yeah, I'm, I'm continually amazed at the kindness of our God. And I love that one of the things that Jesus demonstrated so well, and one of the things that Christians have picked up upon is the ancient art of subtraction before addition. If my plate is 100% full, I cannot put anything else on it. And so what I get to do first is begin to look at the plate and say, what can I take off of my plate so that there's room for something else? I think if I've got a plate and I'm at this incredible buffet, I just got to go on a cruise with my wife and there was the most amazing buffet. And the only downside of this buffet was that there was too much incredible food on it and you have to make choices. Now, you know, you do get to go back up um, with that plate later on if you want. But if I'm going to try and get the stuff that I want and fit it on one plate, I just have to I have to make some choices. And so I, I get to look through my life and say, are there things? And, and we get to do this in community and we get to do this with the Holy Spirit beginning to say, OK, God. What might I be able to take off my plate? Are there some things that might be unnecessary? And even might there be some things that are hindering me? I love the way the writer of Hebrews describes it. He says, get rid of the sin in your life, which I think most of us as Christians say, yeah, that makes sense. But he also says, get rid of the weight. So if I was going to run that marathon, I'm not going to put a weight vest on, a 50-pound weight vest, and then try and run that marathon. I can, I couldn't run the marathon anyway, but I'm not going to make it harder. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying is, don't make it harder. What are the things in your life that might be making it more difficult? And it's unique for all of us. Some of us might just be wasting time. And where are we Where are we wasting time? And some of us may just be full of really good things. And we're just going to have to learn how to prioritize. Mm-hmm. And some of the best things that we can do is say, I'm going to say no to this one good thing so that I can say yes to one thing that's better. Brady, I, I, I love your metaphor about the plate of food on the Disney cruise ship that you just left with your wife. I'm thinking about taking something off the plate. And, you, you know, your mother and I have one thing in common. Uh, we both like sweets. Now, she, she says she doesn't. But uh, when you when we when you were a child and we would go to Steak and Shake and, and you would ask her what she wants, she would say, I don't want anything. I don't like sweets. And so you would get a brownie hot food sundae traditionally, and then she would get a spoon and attack it. <laughs> and you you'd be left, you would be left with so true. But I know when I go down that you know that food line, I'm gonna leave a place on my plate for dessert because those cruise ships have got great dessert. You took me on one of those things a few years ago, <laughs> years ago, and so I would save room for dessert. And and I feel like the dessert is coming back then in this conversation with Brady. Mm-hmm. So Brady, the dessert's coming. I know. I know that that something good is coming here from God uh, to all of us who are listening to you today. How do we proceed with the journey? I think there are a couple of things for me that have been really helpful. And one is just this picture that I have in my brain, and it's the picture of a vine. And I know that throughout the scriptures, there are so many different growing thing metaphors for a life thriving in the life of Jesus, whether it's Psalm 1 that talks about the tree planted by streams of water bearing fruit in its season, or Jesus saying abide in the vine, or Jesus has many metaphors for the plants growing, and that represents the kingdom of heaven. And so if I think of my life following Jesus as a vine, I want to think about a couple different things. One, it's that God has in mind for my relationship with him to be a thriving vine, which 
I think is incredible. And God has a thing in mind for you. I don't know how you feel about your relationship with Jesus right now, how you feel about your walk with him. And maybe it doesn't feel like a thriving vine. Maybe it feels like a withering, you know, you know, stump. I, I, I don't know. Point is that God has a mind for it to thrive. That's what he desires. And that's what his spirit is moving in you to empower you to do and be. Jesus said, once again, I came that you would have life, not sparingly, but life abundantly. And he does have that in mind. And we can have access to that. So if you imagine your life following Jesus as a vine, begin with the roots. Uh, roots are so important. And as I look at the roots, I think about them being deep down in soil that feeds nutrients, life-giving nutrients into that vine. And, and there are a few things uh, that are important about it, but I think the most important piece of this soil is God's delight for you. We love because he first loved us. And it is God's fatherly delight in us that fuels, gives us the fuel to move into some of those disciplines of the faith. It's amazing. It's, it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his love, his compassion, his delight that can fuel this life when it's difficult, when it's not uh, easy. Uh, if you look from a neuroscience perspective on the brain, uh, our relational brain is fueled by joy. And joy is being in the presence of someone who is glad to be with us no matter what. Right? Anytime you walk into a room and someone's face lights up, like that does something to your brain. And so just imagine if you began each day by positioning yourself in a place where you got to see God's face light up to see you, because that's the kind of God he is. I think about the the father described in the prodigal son. He sees the son so far off in the distance and the son hadn't said one, one thing. He hasn't apologized and the father's already running in his direction and he's embracing the son. And when the son starts his speech, the father cuts him off and the son's like, oh, please make me a servant. Please make me a servant. His dad's like, servant, I, you're a son. Get a ring, get shoes, get a robe, throw a party. Like that is the God that we serve. And as we begin to experience his delight, it fuels our discipline. And so I would say you've got this vine. Its roots are down deep in the soil of God's delight. And then as the vine begins to take shape, you need to have some sort of structure that can help it. And I like to call the disciplines of faith or the rhythms of intimacy, that, that structure, that trellis, things like silence and solitude, prayer, Fasting, meditation, memorization, study, Sabbath, all of these practices that Jesus practiced are the things that help support the growth of our vine. And we need to make sure that we don't become Pharisees and we get concerned about the trellis. That's not the point. The trellis is just that structure that supports the growth of the vine. And that's what's important because that growth of the vine is that thriving personal relationship with Jesus. And, and I think that that's probably a, a vision that could help us as you picture this every day, dive down deep into God's delight, allow him to just take joy in his creation, which is you, and then begin to put into place some things in your life that support the growth of the thriving vine that God has for you in your relationship with him. Brady, I think you said something so key about delight leading to discipline, I think for so many of us, when we have full plates, maybe some of us struggle with guilt of I'm not doing enough. I'm not working hard uh, enough 
for God. And so we, we totally dismiss that he wants to delight in us. And so in that, and maybe our own sense of failure, we just push him away because it's almost hard to face him. But when we remember that God loves us because he loves us because he loves mm. us. And that if we will remember, he will, he does delight in us, man, how that will change our desire to be with him and to fight for mm. those disciplines. So thanks for sharing that. I think that is just such a great reminder today. Yeah, I, I think it is for me. I want to operate out of duty and I don't know why, but it just doesn't last long. Willpower can get you only so far. But that was never meant to be the fuel for our lives in following Jesus. And so, Brady, in my brokenness that I've had for 50 years or more for lost kids, I can't stand it when I'm, you know, when I see a kid that's lost and I want to go figure out a way to help that young man or young woman find Jesus. But it's caused me to, you know, to overwork myself. And, you know, I've been accused of being a borderline workaholic, you know, even speak from, you know, just a lifetime of brokenness. Is there any hope for, a, you know, for just sort of an overworked, overworn person in this quest for caring better for, uh, you know, our souls? Yeah, it's such an important perspective to address. And once again, our God is so kind and generous to us that wherever we fall on that spectrum, he is there for us and has a way for us to engage. One of the things that I heard you say been growing up is you talked about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that this has really been incredibly impressionable for me as I've looked into and been begun to try and practice this life and help other people into this life is to realize that God made all of us uniquely. And that's good and beautiful. And he desires us to have a unique relationship with him. So my relationship with God is going to look different than yours. And that's not bad. I'm not better. You're not better. I'm not farther along than you. It just is going to look different. And that's not bad. That's good. Uh, one of the things that I love that Jesus said when he is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He really says two commandments and there are five parts to it. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and then with your neighbor. And I think those those five aspects kind of paint a holistic picture of what it looks like is God is saying, love him with, you know, your emotions, love him with your intellect, love him with your your soul, things that seem more spiritual, uh, love him with your your strength, your actual body, love him with the people in your lives. And, and as we do that, we can abide in the vine. I love that abiding in the vine can happen as you are pursuing one of those you know, guys or girls that is breaking your heart because they don't know Jesus. Like you can abide while doing that, which is incredible. I think some of the things that we take for granted are we can love Jesus by getting eight hours of sleep and we can love Jesus by taking a walk. And we can also love Jesus by studying our Bible. And we can also love Jesus by abstaining from food uh, periodically. And we can also love Jesus by observing the Sabbath. And we can also, and we can also, and we can also. It's been such a fun, difficult, but fun journey learning this because my wife and I um, are very different. And trying to figure out how to uh, journey together has been a unique struggle. But one thing that we, we stumbled upon, which was really fun, was we did this thing called 100 Days of Health. And what, what we did was we just came up with one unique activity that would benefit us, either heart, soul, mind, strength, or neighbor. 
One, one way that we could abide with Jesus, with our body, with our brain, with our emotions, with our relationships, and, and we just made it fun, where every day was something new, something different, something unique. And for her brain, that worked incredibly well because she loves a ton of plates spinning at once, which is my nightmare because I, if I have more than one plate spinning, I, I can't handle it. I cannot multitask. I wish I could so bad, but I cannot. But it was really great for her. And I think for you, uh, Dad, I know that you're similar in that. And so God wired you that way, and that's good, and that's beautiful, and he wants to connect with you that way. So there are a number of ways that you can connect with him. You don't have to sit in silence, in solitude, as a monk for 20 years to engage in relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't do that. Now, he did go away periodically, It says, and he was often in solitude, often go away, but he was also with people. Right? He was with 5,000 as he's teaching. He was with uh, 72, as he's sending them out and training them, he was with 12, he was with three, he was with people doing a lot of different stuff. And I, and I see that in you, in your life, is you, you are doing really neat things. And I love the way that you invite someone to come alongside with you. It was one of the things that really was incredible for us. I don't know how I felt about it at the time, I was really young, but now I'm super glad for sure, is that when you would put us to bed at night, we would memorize scripture together. What memorizing scripture is, is it's learning the language of God. And what you did as we were growing up is you taught us what God's voice sounds like, because it sounds a lot like love your neighbor as yourself. It sounds a lot like pray for those who persecute you. It sounds a lot like you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I mean, just that's what his voice sounds like. And so as we meditate on scripture and marinate on scripture, we can do that as we're going to bed. We can do that when we're alone in a quiet time, but we can do it on a treadmill. Uh, we can do it when we're on a walk. We can do it together with people. As we're going through our day, those things that we've been meditating on, they just kind of get stuck in our head and they, and they marinate in there. And so what we begin to do is what Paul calls praying without ceasing. We just begin to learn how to abide even when we're not in that, let's say, 30-minute set-aside devotional time. One of the ways that we need to open up our vocabulary to engaging and abiding with Jesus is realizing there's more to abiding with Jesus than just studying scripture and going to church on Sunday. Now, those things are incredibly important. I don't ever want to diminish those. Man, study the Bible, go to church, be a part of that, that community space of worshiping Jesus. But there's so many more ways to engage in relationship with him. And if those things aren't the things that speak to you, there are other things that might speak better to the way that God has uniquely wired you to connect with him. That just shows off the beauty of a God who loves variety. So good. Brady, I'm thinking of kind of one specific group of people. And, and let's take our conversation down kind of the avenue of, you know, how can we encourage those that are listening that might be single mom or single dad that are, you know, essentially burning the candle at, at, at both ends, you know, they're working day and night, whether that's in their career and also raising kids and providing and just, you know, trying to keep their heads above water. Um, how would you encourage those just how they can care for their souls today? Yeah, that's oh, it's such an important group of people for sure. Uh, there was a, a, a monk a number of years ago named Brother Lawrence. And he wrote this tiny little book called Practicing the Presence of God or the Practice of the Presence of God. And he just talked about how he found that he was able to better to connect with Jesus while he was washing dishes than when he had set aside times for prayer. 
And I just love that our God is able to, in his power and beauty, to be able to give us who have those kinds of full lives and weighty responsibilities, the ability to connect with him while we change a diaper, while we take a kid to school, while we fill in the blank and, and, and always go back. Any baby step towards Jesus is worth celebrating. I, I, I don't know why I love watching football, but I get so uh, frustrated when the, the person, the receiver, the running back, the quarterback gets in the end zone and they spike the ball. And I just get, I feel jealous. Like, why do they get to spike the football and I don't get to spike anything? And I think anytime you run towards Jesus, you stumble towards Jesus, you make any, you know, refix your eyes on Jesus, you should have something at your disposal to just throw on the ground and just celebrate because that is a huge win. If you're able to pray while you're changing a diaper, that that's gigantic. That is a touchdown in the Super Bowl. It's not a small thing. And God will meet you there. He'll meet you wherever you desire him to meet you in the perhaps mundane, ordinary spaces of life, in the difficult spaces of life, in the responsibilities of life, in the monotony of life, whatever it might be, he will meet you there. And you should not feel bad that you don't have more time because God has given you an incredible opportunity, particularly with, with parents to pour into their kids or single people pouring into the people that they're around, whatever that might be. Bethany Brady, I hate to end this discussion. You're ministering to me in a great way. I just feel the Holy Spirit so vividly in this conversation. I'm so grateful for it. I think as we close today about one of my favorite places to memorize and meditate, Psalm 63, verse 1 through 8. And there's the most beautiful concept when the writer says, my soul, my soul is filled with fatness and marrow. And I believe he's saying something about joy and strength. My soul is filled with fatness and marrow. When I remember you in my bed and I meditate on you in the night watches. And Brady, as you said, we used to do a lot of memorizing and meditating and continue through our lifetimes, hasn't it? And as we lay down at night and just sort of utter one of the Psalms, that we memorized so long ago, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Or maybe, Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I rise up and when I lay down, you understand my thoughts from afar. But one of those extolled, I extol thee, O oh Lord, O oh my strength, or any of those great writings as we just meditate, our soul is filled, and it's joyful when our soul is filled. Podcast family, thank you for including us in a few moments of your day. We're grateful to call you part of our family. And so, Lord Jesus, I thank you for caring for our soul. And Lord, I thank you for showing us how to care for our soul. And Lord, I thank, Lord, I thank you most of all for loving our soul. And surely, Lord, for loving it for all of eternity. What a great promise. Lord, bless our listeners and keep them. Make your face shine upon them, Lord. I pray for every listening ear, Father, that you'll lift up your countenance upon them and you'll give each person your peace, both now and forevermore. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 
We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Canacuck.com.